Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. If you have your Bibles, you can open them with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Do you think it's fair to have expectations of church members? Boy, y'all got quiet then. Don't know what that means. Is it fair? Is it right? Is it just to have expectations of church members? I think it is. I think we as church members ought to expect that there will be certain things expected of us. This morning we're beginning a series that will go, um, with the exception of next Sunday, which is homecoming, through the end of September. It's called Great Expectations. What is expected of those who are part of a church? Whether an official member or if you are a regular attender, what is expected of those of us who are in church? Now, before we go to the scripture, let me just highlight one thing. Next Sunday morning is our homecoming service. And next Sunday morning, uh, as part of homecoming, our morning schedule is going to be different. So listen up very carefully. We're only going to have one service next Sunday. That service will be at 1030. What time did I say the worship will be next Sunday? Sunday school will be at 930. What time is Sunday school? What time is worship? After worship, we're going to eat in the fellowship hall. After worship, we're going to what? In the... All right. That's next Sunday. Now, that schedule is only for next Sunday. So uh, two weeks from today, we'll be back to normal. But next Sunday, we're going to have one worship service at 1030. Sunday school will be at 930. And then we will eat. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 19 through 25. We're talking about great expectations. The title of this message is Show Up. And show out. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, His, Jesus' body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are again grateful for the blessing and freedom to attend worship at Palmetto Baptist Church this morning. We do not take it for granted. We are focusing in on the fact that we must not take it for granted because worship is such a vital, vital part of who we as Christians and who we as a church are. So help us, Lord, to take full advantage of the freedom 
to worship. May we not only show up for worship, but may we show out as we worship. Lord, we come to you also asking you to be with people that we care about. Dot Bates and Brian Doyle as he recovers from leg surgery. For uh, Rachel Kearns. For Lindsay Lambert and Mr. Charlie Pace. For Jackson Sims as he recovers from uh, a, a leg injury. For Buddy Squires as he recovers from knee replacement surgery and is actually here today. Grateful for Buddy and Shirley. For Miss Jean Vining, for Miss Nettie Espinoza, for Clyde Taylor, Mr. Ed Johnson, for Miss Dorothy Ward, for Mr. Ken Russell, Miss Sarah Peake, for Miss Marie Glish, for Miss Mildred Castleberry. Lord, I pray for Lawson Sayer, Mr. Dick Peake, pray for Summer Johnson, Fred Hurley. And I pray for Mike Laster. And I pray for our church. I pray that you would help us to focus on what we can do to reach people more effectively for Christ and for an active involvement in this church. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity not only to worship, but to actually pray to you and talk to you. What a great blessing. Thank you for access. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't know if you've uh, paid a whole lot of attention. Maybe you have. But have you noticed that people are checking out of church in America? They are. Across the nation, there is a trend. We have experienced it here at Palmetto Baptist, and it has really, really bothered me But in some odd, weird, and really wrong kind of way, I'm comforted by the fact that churches across the nation are experiencing people walking out on church, or at least staying home from church. Part of it is the recession. People are stressed out, and they're taking any day they can off, and I kind of understand that, Uh, although Amanda won't let me take off. Because she says, you've got to preach this morning. This morning, I told her, I said, I think I'm going to stay in. She said, you can't. And so, uh, so I'm here. Um, if you listen to any polls, you'll hear that 65 to 85%, depending on the poll, 65 to 85% of Americans say that their church Their life, their faith is extremely important to them. And so if you take those figures literally, then you would expect that a majority of the American public is in worship on any given Sunday morning. And yet, uh, Gallup polls suggest that about 40% of Americans attend church on a Sunday morning. At least that's been, and that's been pretty steady for the last uh, uh, decade. 40% of Americans say they're in church on Sunday morning. But sociologists over the past couple of years have found some contradictions with that 40% number. They hear people say, at least 40% of us say, we're in church on on a given Sunday morning on a regular basis. But when they actually go to the churches and they take a tally of who is here, that number is about half that. 
And a number of sociologists, a number of people who study this, this idea of attendance or the lack thereof of, of people in worship, they're noticing that about double the amount of people who actually attend church say that they attend church on a regular basis, which means, regrettably, that half the people who say they're in church on a regular basis are not telling the truth. They're telling people what they want people to think that they are doing, I guess. Then again, it depends on the question. If you're asking somebody, are you a regular attender in worship? And if they regularly attend Easter and Christmas, I guess they could answer, I am a regular attender in worship. I don't know. Tom Rayner, who is the president of Lifeway Christian Resources, says that nine out of ten of our churches are growing at a pace slower than the communities in which they serve. That's not good news, I don't think. Dr. John Waters, who is the president of the Georgia Baptist Convention, sends out a, uh, a periodic newsletter to all of us pastors via email. I was interested in the email that he sent to us just this past week. Uh, he travels as president of the convention, although he is a pastor. He travels all over the state visiting churches, talking with Baptists all over the state of Georgia. And uh, he's met a lot of Baptists as well as folks who are not Baptists but attend an evangelical church. And he found that in addition to the, the folks who are really faithful and can really be counted on, there are four other types of Baptists that he's found in some of those churches. He said, first of all, there are bedside Baptists, Baptists who spend every Sunday morning sleeping late, too unconcerned or uncommitted to drag themselves out of bed in order to get to church. Bedside Baptists. Then there are buzzard Baptists. You ready for this? Buzzard Baptists. These Baptists earn this name because they never come around the church unless there is a stink. Yeah. Forget coming to worship and being involved in Sunday school, but call a special business meeting to fire the pastor and the buzzard Baptists fly. Hmm. I love buzzard Baptists. Busybody Baptist. Have you ever noticed that some people, he says, have the spiritual gifts of meddling in other people's business? Every church has its share of busybody Baptist, and they spend most of their time gossiping or tending to matters that are not their concern. Busy, busybody? No. Bellyaching Baptist. Every church has a certain amount of its membership that loves to complain or bellyache about something. Misspelled words in the bulletin. Air conditioning set too low. Their favorite missing paper towels or no toilet paper in the restrooms. Well, that's something to bellyache over, I'd have to admit. The bellyaching Baptists are certain to let their displeasure be known, John Waters says. But then he concludes his article by asking, but isn't there a better way? Isn't there a better way? The writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of Christians who are seriously thinking about abandoning their Christian faith. It's a serious problem with these people. And he's writing to them to convince them to hold on to what they have. And when we get to chapter 10 uh, of Hebrews, you'll notice that one of the first signs of this uh, abandonment of faith, one of the first signs 
that people uh, evidence is less frequent attendance in worship. That's one of the one of the first things that happens when people are thinking about some sort of abandonment of their faith or abandonment of certain behavior that is connected with their faith, such as their connection to a church, less frequent attendance. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, those are the verses I really want to focus in on. He says this, he says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. He's talking about worship attendance there. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. What is your habit? What are you in the habit of doing? So we're talking about the subject of uh, what is expected of church membership. And today we're talking about it is expected of church folks that we frequently and regularly attend worship. How about that? Now, if you don't hear anything else I say, just write that down and take it home. You can take it home now if you want to, because that right there is the main gist of what we're seeing today. It is expected that we uh, frequently and regularly attend worship. I threw in frequently for all those who are the regular Eastern Christmas folks. Because see, that's not quite frequently, you know. I'm talking about frequently and regularly. Frequently and regularly attend uh, worship. It's important that we attend worship on a regular basis. And the writer of Hebrews in these verses, verses 19 through 25, gives us some compelling reasons as to uh, why we should regularly attend and frequently attend worship. The first reason he gives us is that worship reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. Now you say, well, can I be reminded of what Jesus has done at home? Or if I turn on the TV and watch Charles Stanley or uh, Jimmy Swaggart or whoever you might want to watch on a Sunday morning, early in the morning. Um, yeah, you can, but let me tell you something. There's something about being in worship live in which God does something to remind us. We are constantly fed, and it is constantly emphasized what Jesus has done for us. We're a forgetful people, you and I are. I mean, for the most part, I've noticed that a lot of people live by this, this paradigm. What have you done for me lately, as in the last couple of days? It, it's amazing to me how uh, we human beings tend to forget some major things that people have done for us. Because we have short-term memories. And so worship serves the purpose of reminding us of what Jesus has done for us. Verse number 22, he says this, he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Who's, what was sprinkled to cleanse our hearts of a guilty conscience? The blood of Christ. Verse 19, he says, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that is the, the access to the very direct presence of God, and he says, how do we have that? We have that by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, which is what? Jesus' body. Worship reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. 
I want you to know this. I want you to hear this. You already know this, but, but nah. Jesus came to earth when he didn't have to. He lived a perfect life when he didn't have to. He went through a mock trial when he didn't have to. He went to a cross, was nailed to the cross, and he died there when he didn't have to. He was put in a tomb that was not his own, and he didn't have to let it be that way. He rose from the dead uh, after a weekend of being dead in the tomb. And why did he, he did it because he didn't have to. Why did he do all these things? He did it for you. And he did it for me. There was no other reason that he did do it. He didn't do it to shine a light on himself. He did not do it so that he could be uh, uh, featured in a Hollywood uh, movie or to be the next uh, a, a, a character in the next great Avengers movie. That wasn't it. Jesus did it for us. So worship reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. Secondly, worship reinforces our hope. It reinforces our hope. Worship reinforces our hope. Verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the, what? Hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. You ever listen to the words that uh, Matt and Chris lead us in on a Sunday morning? You ever listen to the words of those songs? In most of those songs, uh, we, are, we are reminded of the hope we have. Hope is something that is future-oriented that we don't have yet, but we long to have it, and God promises us that if we're in a relationship with Him, we will have it. That is our hope. Biblical hope is the knowledge of something we don't have yet that we will have because God has promised us that we will have it. And so everything from the lyrics to the songs, to the music itself, to the praying, to the preaching, to the giving, to the responding, all of it reinforces the hope that we have. Why do we come to church with all the mess that church can be? Somebody said one time that uh, church is a lot like Noah's ark. When Noah was on the ark with all those animals for 40 days, 40 nights, and then for a good bit longer after he waited for the floods to subside. And, and somebody said, church is a lot like Noah's ark. If it weren't for the storms inside, outside, you couldn't stand the stench inside. I find that to be true. There's a lot of stench inside church. But let me tell you, if you went to Noah, I may have said Moses. Noah, did I say Moses? Noah. I get Moses and Noah mixed up. I just want to make sure. I'm talking about Noah. If you were to ask Noah when he was on that boat, you want to get out of that boat and out there in that water? He's going to say, absolutely not. What about all this stench that's in this boat? It's stinking here. I don't care. I can put up with it. I'd rather be in here with the stink than be out there without it. My friends, that's exactly, that's exactly what I feel about church. There's a lot about church I don't like. But I will tell you that I would rather be in church, be a part, active part of a church than to be outside an active church outside and without. Worship reminds us, it reinforces our hope. It reinforces our hope. So it, it reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. It reinforces our hope. 
And then third, it puts us in contact with people who encourage us. It puts us in contact with people who encourage us. Listen to what verse 24 says. He says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. You know, I could stop right here, and if we had enough time, I could ask for people to stand up and give personal, first-hand experience testimonies of struggles that you faced in your life, and invariably, in many of those testimonies, that people throughout this congregation, throughout our group here today, would say, you know, if it, if it had not been for, and they'd name some names, if it had not been for Mike Exner, if it had not been for Tracy Close, if had it not been for uh, Bonnie Chester, had it not been for uh, Toby Potter, I wouldn't have made it. Because right at the point where I was so in the bottom and I was looking up to see the bottom of the barrel, they reached down and they pulled me up when I had not the strength to do so myself. Worship. Regular and frequent attendance in worship puts us together with people who encourage us, who help us, who hold us up when we cannot hold ourselves up. There was a 2008 article in the uh, news magazine, U.S. News and World Report. John Cacioppo, author of the book Loneliness, Human Nature and the Need for Social Connection, was interviewed in that article, and he said this. He was asked why people who go to church, isn't this... He was asked why people who go to church regularly live longer on average than non-churchgoers. Did you know that? Did you know that people who regularly attend church on average live longer? Now, that's both good and bad, isn't it? Because those uh, busybody folks, they're going to live a long time. But, but the folks who help you are going to live a long time. It's a good thing. And Cachopo answered this. He says, churches can be very beneficial. One can feel connected to the group, connected to the church, and connected to God. And they are actually different things, but both, those are actually different things, but both seem to have beneficial effect. God, in this case, is like a supercharged friend for the people who attend worship regularly and freely and frequently. Nancy Shute, the author of that article, said this. She says, quote, when all is said and done, the best guarantee of a long and healthy life may be the connections you have with other people, including the connections you have with other people in the church. Worship puts us in contact with other Christians so that we can encourage one another. And finally, worship, our attendance in worship indicates that we really care about what God is doing. Verse 25. He says, And don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more, he says, as you see the day approaching. What day? As you see the day approaching. 
He doesn't give us any details about what this day is. But one thing is sure, that even though he doesn't just outright say it, this day approaching is a day that God is working forward to. He is working toward. And so when we attend worship and we talk about the hope we have in Jesus and we emphasize what Jesus has done for us and we're in constant contact with people who've really encouraged us and mean a lot to us, what happens is it shows that we are caring about what God is doing. Now, folks, you and I need vacations. And when you and I are sick, we don't need to be at church. Because you're going to come up and you're going to shake my hand. And I'm probably going to wipe my nose. And I'm going to get what you got. And then I'm going to give it back to you. Because I'm going to come back and hug you. I'm going to. I've said before, I said, look, you got 52 Sundays in a year. Take four of them for vacation. That's a lot. Most people don't take four weeks vacation. Take four of them for vacation. Allow two of them for sick. Or take four of them for sick. That's eight. That leaves you with 44 Sundays. 44 Sundays. And on those 44 Sundays, be here. We need you. You need us. God wants you here. Be here. Tom Rainer said that the biggest reason for the drop in attendance in church, by the way, very small churches of 50 or less are growing, mainly because of the small house church movement. Mega churches of 2,000 members or more are growing mainly because people want to be able to come there and not get involved, not be asked to do anything. They slip in in the darkness and they slip out and nobody knows they're there. But churches our size that are anywhere from 150 to 800, that mid-sized group, they are losing ground. You know why? Because, well, for a number of reasons. But God wants us to be here. Tom Rainer said that the biggest reason for the drop in attendance of mid-sized churches is not so much that people are leaving church as it is that instead of coming three or four times a month, people are coming one or two times a month. Do you realize that if you take a church that's, that normally averages coming to church three times a month, three Sundays a month, and all of a sudden, a good number of people in that church, they back it up to two Sundays a month. Do you realize what three Sundays a month to two Sundays a month does to your average attendance? It decreases it by, get this, 33%. Hello? 33% just by dropping back like that. So make a habit of coming to worship. What is expected of church members? We expect church members to show up and show out. We expect our folks to attend worship services frequently and regularly to benefit each other, to glorify God. 
Charles Duhigg in his book, The Power of Habit, says all habits, no matter how large or small, have three components. There is a cue or a trigger. There is a routine, the behavior itself. And then there is a reward for that behavior. And once the reward comes on a regular basis, we develop a habit. So I want you to be digging for something. I want you to be digging for that reward that God promises you, gives you for attending worship. And if you can't find one, let me, let me suggest perhaps the most important reward that you can have for attending worship. In corporate worship, God shows up in ways that he does not show up in any at any other place. You say, well, I have a quiet time, God shows up. No doubt, thank God for that. Well, I meet with my friends in a, in a small group and God shows up. Absolutely, do that by all means. But let me tell you, whether it's by yourself or if it's with a small group, God may show up there, but he doesn't show up there in the way that he shows up when you and I come corporately, collectively in a big group to worship. He does something different when his people come together. So show up, ladies and gentlemen, show up frequently and show up regularly. And when you get up on a Sunday morning and you're tempted not to go just because you don't feel like it, make yourself go. God will bless you for it. Show up and show out. Be here frequently. Be here regularly. Take your vacation. That's fine. When you're sick, don't come. But those other 44 Sundays of the year, be here. And it'll make a difference in our church and it'll make a difference in you. Let's pray. Father, you meet with us here when we worship together in ways that you don't meet with us any other time. Lord, help us to really, truly value the opportunities to come together like we are right now to worship you. And Lord, I pray for anybody who's here who's never invited you to be their Savior. I pray that they would come to this front area and in, say, I, you know, I want to invite Jesus to be my Savior or I want to be baptized. I want to join this church. But Lord, I also pray for every one of us here that we will make the commitment and everybody here can make this commitment. Make the commitment to attend this church 44 times out of 52 over the next year. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.